Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the question, of course, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here with you. I'm doing well. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. And another great show lined up for us again today. I want to remind people before we get started that, of course, our show is a podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, simply search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. You will find way north of 100, probably 150 podcasts on there, over 6,000 downloads of all different shows with different topics and whatever you're interested in, you are bound to find something that relates to you. Brian, before we get started with the show today, you and I were talking before we went on the air about your clients. And, you know, I think there's a misconception with a lot of people out there who don't know better that... Most people who have money, who are millionaires, multimillionaires, they inherited this or they didn't work for it, but that couldn't be further from the truth, could it? Yeah, I think in the old days, uh, you know, when we were younger, that was more common, and especially on the East Coast. I'm a shareholder in a trust company, and, mm-hmm. and when we talk about family trusts, most of them are set up in the East Coast because uh, we'll call it old money. Right. It's generational, multi-generational money. There is not that kind of money in Washington State, you know, West Coast. It's not like that. You know, we, we don't have multi-generational money the way they do on the East Coast. And also the opportunities, I think, to make money now are so much better than when we were young. I mean, we if you want to make money when we were young, you had to be a doctor. You had to pick one of those professions. And now, you know, with technology coming out of, you know, it didn't exist when, when we were young, really. Right. Um, and the opportunities that people have, they can start their own businesses. That just wasn't something you did back then. Back when we were younger, uh, people worked for a company, uh, they, you know, they go to the, the refinery for 30 years and get a pension. Or right. they, you know, work for the state or whatever for Boeing and, and get their pension. And since pensions are pretty much going away uh, across the board now, uh, unless you're working for the government. That has changed too. So many people now are starting their own businesses, being self-employed, being their own landlords, developers, that kind of thing. And that just wasn't the case. I didn't know people that did that growing up. I really didn't. Everybody just had a job they got up and went to and worked for somebody else. So now, you know, that I've seen so many people do that for so many years when the interesting thing about this and what we were talking about is that most of the people I talk to are multimillionaires. And the common thread is I, I can't even off the top of my head think of anybody in that group that inherited their money. Right. They're, they all were self-made. And it wasn't something, you know, they, they invented, you know, the, the additive for, you know, gasoline and, mm-hmm. and works. You know, they didn't do anything spectacular necessarily. They maybe bought some rental houses and, and put 20% of their money into their retirement accounts or, you know, that they were making and some sweat equity. They invested in their 401k early back when it was, the Dow was one or 2,000 and now it's, you know, over 30,000 and they're reaping the benefits of that. They just did normal normal common sense things and were savers. They weren't big spenders very often. And all of a sudden, you know, they just wanted to be able to have a small house and retire someday. And now we're looking at their portfolios and going, uh, you got more money coming in than you spend. And on top of that, you got millions of dollars in investments right. and real estate on top of that. And they're going, I just never saw this coming. And I said, your biggest problem is going to be spending. You don't know how to spend money. I mean, that's been the common theme. But I just find it fascinating that it's almost like the less you, you had when you were young, the more a lot of my clients have when they're older. Yeah. And you were talking about the East Coast versus the West Coast. And the East Coast is much older than the West Coast is in terms terms of its uh, settlements. And of course, we had the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, those sort of people back on the East Coast. But here in the West Coast, it's the Bill Gateses, the Elon Musks, that sort of thing. These were people who were entrepreneurs. For people listening to this program today who are still building their wealth and they're wanting to get to the position where they are millionaires, 
or maybe multimillionaires, would you say that there is one key or is there any one discipline or one key that someone should really think about using in order to get to that lofty status of being a millionaire, multimillionaire? That's a really good question because I have been talking to some young people and one of the things I keep hearing is that they're trying to get the big kill. You know, I'm going to become a day trader and buy crypto. Or, you know, it's like, okay, that might work. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't bet on that working uh, because day traders, you know, that's just gambling. You win until you don't. It's the same thing with gambling. You win and then you don't and you give it back. And that's that's how I see day traders end up being uh, almost every time. And so, you know, we've got that. Crypto, we've talked about on the show before. There are 18,000 of them started. There's 8,000 are already dead and buried Mm -hmm. and done. I mean, that's kind of a, (laughs) that's risky business there. There's only going to be a couple that survive in the end. It's always that way. Uh, You're not going to have 10,000 cryptos out there that people are using. Which one are you using today? Oh, number uh, 8,350. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, that's, that's unrealistic. So the, the advice I would give, and I always give this to advice to people is invest in yourself, invest in your skill sets, that rate of return is going to be enormous. So once we get past that, then I like the idea of dollar cost averaging into different things. I like putting money away into your retirement accounts, putting money towards saving up for your house, all this stuff, get into a house. You're going to need a house someday. And so try and get that established sometime when you think you're going to be someplace for a while. So get that established. Just keep putting money away. Keep putting money away. Keep putting a percentage. And don't just put 10. I mean, think about trying to put more. Now, it may not be possible. You got to eat. You know, you got to take care of yourself. But there will come a time, uh, hopefully for you, where where you're able to do 20, 25% away. and, And then you'll be amazed over the decades what happens to those various pots of money, whether it's the real estate or the markets and other things that, that may come up. But be consistent and always put something away. Yeah, and for those people listening to this program, I think they've already mastered this idea of accumulating wealth. But primarily, I think that, you know, this is a good conversation to have with those younger people about how to make it. It's not the big hit. It's really just slow and steady, sort of like the turtle in the hair story. It really is. I mean, now I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen because every time I say anything, well, there's an exception to the rule. Right. It's kind of like giving tax advice. So can you tell me the rule on this? I, I can tell you the general rule, but there's always an exception to the rule. You know, that's just the way things are. So yes, because, you know, you'll be talking to someone, yeah, but what about Elon Musk? Yeah, but what about Bill Gates? Yeah, but what, it, well, okay, if you're Elon Musk or Bill Gates, more power to you. Right. I'm not. <laughs> Nobody I know is. And so we're, we're we're all just grinders. I see consistently grinders just making it and, yeah. and doing well, making good decisions. Here's the other thing. Some people make financial decisions on a whim. And I've mentioned this before, and just kind of an analogy here. There might be 30 big financial decisions someone has over their lifetime. You know, whether to start contributing to the 401k, whether to buy a house, whether to refinance, whether to, you know, whatever it is. And if you get all of them right, you're probably a multimillionaire someday. If you get half of them right, you're probably barely making it. If it's a flip of the coin kind of thing, mm-hmm. you're just struggling probably. Now, if you can get most of them right, then you're probably doing quite well. So sometimes you need advice. And getting proper advice is what this show's about, so that you can turn 15 right and 15 wrong, right, right. you know, just kind of 50 50s into 80%, 90%, 99% right. I mean, that's that's what we want to get you to because that can make a world of difference in your finances. Yeah, and we use sports analogies an awful lot in this program, and there are a lot of very talented athletes out there that I observe and that I have known who are just blessed, but they still have coaches. And I think that's very important to remember in the financial world is that you should have a coach. And the great thing here with Madrona Financial is that it doesn't cost you anything. And if you don't need a coach, I mean, you will tell someone maybe you don't need need me, but most of the time, I think you're better off with professional advice. We're talking with Ryan Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In our first segment here, we've been talking about how people made their money. Ryan, I used the term millionaire and multimillionaire. And in the old days, if you were a millionaire, you were considered rich. But if you have a million dollars today, 
Are you still considered rich, or is that sort of just like middle class? That's middle class anymore, because you know even when they talk about the taking money out of your retirement accounts, if if uh, the four percent rule or something, a lot of people debate that, and they say that's not sustainable if you have a down market, and that may be true. We've talked about something called sequence of return risk. So if you have a million dollars and you can't even take forty grand a year out of your consistently, and maybe you can take twenty grand a year, and you have different investments that, that maybe produce other income elsewhere, but we're not talking upper class here. Right. We're just getting by with and when you add that to Social Security. So that, you know, being a, having a million dollars put away, that used to be everybody's goal, I think, you know, once upon a time. But now you look at that and go, oh, that's not where it's at. And and just having a, a sum of money is, you know, that drives me nuts when I see, what's your magic number? Mm-hmm. Fill in this thing and see what your magic number is. Is it a million dollars? That is not a plan. That's just a tool. That's just one of many, many many, many pieces of the of the plan we have to consider. And so it, they dumb it down, simplify it. Uh, we don't want to do that on this show. Yeah, and I read something the other day about a woman who had bought a house, and it was right here in the Seattle area. She paid $23,000 for it, probably someplace like Bellevue, many, many years ago. And it's worth, of course, well over a million dollars today. So, you know, back in the olden days, when you and I were kids, we call those the olden days, and we talk to our kids about that. A million dollars was a lot of money, but today it is not necessarily true. True. Oh, one thing about that, yeah, that $23,000 house is the same house. Uh, I don't, absolutely. I don't yeah. care if you label it at $2 million now. <laughs> it's still the $23,000 house. It's just 30 years older yeah. and not as good. So it's not even as good as the house was at 23000 So that's a that's a, a good distinction there. A million dollars is not what it used to be. Yeah, and in the old days as well, too. I mean, if you retired at 65, you may hope to live to be 75, 78 years of age. But today, 65, with modern medicine, nutrition, and all the uh, medical care that we have, you can very easily have a 25 or 30 year retirement. So you stretch that million dollars over 30 years and it may not go as far. We're talking with Brian Evans here, Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, one more question before we get to the break, and I want to continue with uh, our show today. And by the way, we're going to be talking about understanding alternative investments on today's program. Has there ever been a better time, do you think, in your memory to be an entrepreneur than today? Never. You know, and that's that's a great comment because I remember when I was young, I was so naive. I knew how to pick berries and, and pea vine. I was really good at that. Or, or pick strawberries and uh, cucumbers and rogue spinach and all those things. Really useful skills, not. Uh, <laughs> I could even dunk a basketball. That I didn't earn anything from that's that a good one. back in the old days. But what I used to think, I remember thinking, gosh, I, I wish I'd been born earlier because everything that's going to be invented has been invented. I mean, you talk about naive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was the king. Of, I should, they should have given me a big trophy on the naivete scale. Hey, they'd invented the slide rule. I mean, what more do you need? I did learn that from my dad in math class. Yeah. He was my teacher. Yeah. He brought it out the last week of school. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really believe that everything's been invented. What else could they invent from here? Boy, was I wrong. So, yeah, I would say there had never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. And one of the reasons is that everything's accessible. If you want to start a business, you go, you type in, you know, how do you start a business? Right. In the state of Washington, boom, you got all these websites pop up. How do you do this? How do you do that? Give me a how-to on this. Let me look at a YouTube video. Yeah. And you can have everything accessible to you and get all the help you want. You know, who do I license with? Who do I talk to? Where do I get information? It's so readily available that it's a great time to be entrepreneurial, especially because so many baby boomers that own businesses are retiring Right. Getting out of the world, and you can, you know, if you're younger and want to do that, you can slide into where they were. Yeah, every bit of information that you possibly almost ever need is on the internet, but still there's no substitute for just thinking out of the box and thinking about what people need or solving a problem. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth. Thank you so much for joining us every week on this great radio station. I want to talk to you about the rooted wealth analysis and the fact that, of course, these big trees blow over sometimes in a storm, and it's the same thing with your financial plan. If your roots are not deep enough, a financial storm could come along and uproot your retirement plan. To check how deep your roots are, go to Madrona Financial, click on the Get Started button, and it'll only take you about 30 seconds or so, and you can determine how deep your financial roots are. Once again, madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button to take your rooted wealth analysis. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. 
Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about understanding alternative investments. And Brian, when you talk about understanding alternative investments, I think it applies to inflation. Inflation, you know, it's been reported like 8.9%, but I know that gasoline prices are up some 40%. I can't think of anything that I buy in the supermarket or anything that I buy in general that is up only 8.9%. So in an inflationary environment like this, I know that investments can suffer because it's it's really tough. I mean, it, it, I think it has been in the past to get an 8.9%, 9.5% or even 12% probably close to what inflation really is. It's tough to get that sort of return on investments. So let's start out right there and list some of the good alternatives that might be able to come close to combating inflation. Yeah, you know, when we talk about investments, there's a couple things that I think of uh, with what you just said. The first thing is don't expect to beat a down market. You know, we had a huge down market in 2022. We have a lot of inflation. Your investments are not going to keep up during that period of time. They kept up last year, though, and the year before, probably, you know, and the years prior to that. And so you got to sometimes take the bad with the good. That's just the nature of investing. But we're talking about alternative investments because it's, I think it's so critical to spend more time on this because most people, let's say you're a do-it-yourself investor, you have access to certain investment categories. You can do mutual funds and ETFs and individual stocks. You can buy bonds, cash, money markets, CDs. That's kind of it as far as passive investing. You do not have access to alternative investments. And the reason is because you're not licensed as an insurance agent professional or you're not SEC licensed with your Series 65 or Series 7 to be able to offer alternatives. You have to go through a licensed professional to buy alternatives. So the smartest person in the world cannot have access to many of the tools we need to build a proper retirement plan. So that's why a lot of people need to have a financial advisor. Again, they can be the smartest person in the world and read this stuff all day long, but you don't have access to this stuff. So that's why I want to spend some time on this. And so with the inflation question, because every investment has pros and cons, they're like tools. They do certain things well and certain things they don't do well. Now, is there anything that does well because of inflation? Absolutely. And we're talking passive investments here, not active. Active would be your own business. Active would be your, your landlord. Those are active investments. We're talking passive where you're not running it. So some of the things that do well with inflation are real estate. Real estate where you have leverage, meaning that there's an underlying mortgage that's fixed. So your outflow, your, your money going out is fixed. And where the money coming in is variable but going up, then that can be a really good way to make money due to inflation. So for instance, let's say self-storage, multifamily or rental houses. Maybe it's been tough to raise rents in past years. But now all of a sudden, we've noticed that apartment rents are way, way up because inflation's up and the landlords have been able to raise the rents. And there's a housing shortage. And so the demand is there. So they can kind of ask what they want. So let's say they raise the rents 20%. But their outflow didn't change. Their mortgage stayed the same. They had a fixed rate mortgage. All that 20% went right to the bottom line so that their net profit, let's say they were netting 25%. If that all went to the bottom line, now they're at 40%. And they've doubled their profit because Mm -hmm. of inflation. So I'm seeing the value of apartment buildings and rental houses where that, you know, that's part of it. Mostly apartment buildings, self-storage, anything with short-term leases. I'm seeing the valuations go up, up, up making money because of inflation. And as you said, I mean, many people are priced out of the home buying market, at least for the time being, with interest rates rising and the affordability of homes, you know, just becoming less and less. More and more people need to rent. And thus, of course, uh, you know, the landlords know that and they are raising rents accordingly. Is real estate, though, the panacea? Is this the only alternative investment that you can really make money on in an inflationary time? Thanks for putting it that way, because as we know, there is no investment that is a panacea. Otherwise, right, right. my job would be so easy. <laughs> Just hit that easy button. Oh, this thing has gross. It's secure. It has cash flow. It's liquid, and it's tax-free. Bring that uh, fastball right down Peachtree right Street. Right down there. Yeah. yeah, I wish. No, that is one of the things that does well in an inflationary environment. Anything with short-term leases. Real estate. 
I shouldn't say anything. There's never there's never a panacea, as right, I just said. Right. Uh, another thing that can do better in an inflationary environment would be certain fixed index annuities that are designed for lifetime cash flow. Now, most of the fixed index annuities that I have seen sold by insurance people that sell these, the ones that offer pension-like benefit, meaning lifetime cash flow, they sell ones that are flat payouts. Whatever you're getting at age 65, you'll be getting at age 88. Same amount. And so that sounds good at 65, not so good at 88 because inflation. And so if you're being proposed lifetime cash flow with no increases over time, I would suspect that that would not be a very good choice for most people if they're going to live a long time. You're going to want to get one that has increasing lifetime cash flow to combat inflation because inflation is real. I've been putting people into these for years and years and years, even though we didn't have inflation. Now, what's the rub? Why wouldn't everybody pick that? The reason is, is because let's say you have side by side, you had two lifetime cash flow annuities. One is a flat payout. One's an increasing lifetime payout. So the one that's a flat payout might give you $2,000 a month. And you go, okay, how about the one with the increasing 1400 You go, well, that stinks. I, I want 2000 Yeah, but in 10 years, it'll still be 2000 In 20 years, it'll still be 2000 In 30 mm-hmm. years, it'll still be 2000 Whereas the other one is going to be much, much more. At some, It's going to have a crossover at some point, and you're going to have a lot, lot more money later on. So if you can afford it, you want the one with the increase in lifetime cash flow. The rub is you're going to start out a little bit lower. So, Brian, with a fixed index annuity, what index does this follow? Yeah, I, I, I do want to spend a little time talking about this because a lot of people on the radio or every seminar you get invited to pretty much, they never say the word fixed index annuity. They don't use the word annuity because they think people are going to shy away. Oh, I don't like annuities. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of silly. It's like, you know, you're a mechanic and, and oh, I don't like saws or hammers. I only like crowbars or what, you know. Right. They, they have their, their purpose. But people won't even say what they are, which is ridiculous. So I like to uh, educate on the fixed index annuity space because it's a very important tool in a retirement toolbox. Who wouldn't want increasing lifetime cash flow for life? I mean, that is silly. When everybody, oh, I don't like annuities. Oh, you don't like a monthly check guaranteed for the rest of your life that's going to go up over time. That is absurd. For anybody to say that out loud, are you serious? You're seriously telling me that you don't like the idea <laughs> of a monthly check for the rest of your life, second to die with your spouse that's increasing over time. They must hate Social Security then. Gosh, uh, yeah, and Social Security isn't even as, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's nutty to even say that out loud. Right. So let's just start there. But it's not for everybody. But uh, for those people that want security and cash flow and think they might have longevity, them or their spouse, uh, what a great place to start talking about. So I want to, I needed to talk about the difference between the flat payout and the increasing lifetime cash flow payout. I also wanted to touch on the other use for fixed index annuities. There are some that don't pay lifetime cash flow. And you go, why would I want that? Well, the reason for it is because it can pay you increases without any chance of loss ever. Think CD. CDs are built that way. Money markets are built that way. They go up, they don't go down, right? But the fixed index annuity space can give you a much, much higher return than a CD as we illustrate them based on historical returns. And so when somebody says, I want to invest some money where I can't lose it, but I want the maximum return where I can't lose any. What's the best thing you've seen, Brian? I will say a fixed index annuity that does not have the lifetime cash flow rider that is designed for maximum accumulation without any chance of loss. That, in my experience, is the best way to protect money. Now, why wouldn't everybody do that? Because they're illiquid, usually 10% liquid a year. They're not fully liquid. You don't buy it Tuesday and go, oh, Thursday, I've decided I changed my mind. I want my money back. No, you'd pay a surrender fee. They're designed for a period of time. That's why they can the insurance company can offer you a good return. So you might buy a seven-year or a five-year or a 10-year annuity where they're fully liquid after that time. But until then, they're partially liquid typically. And I've heard this term, zero is your hero, thrown around there too. And what they're talking about there is that these annuities many times have a floor of zero. Yes. Zero is your hero is like, well, if the market goes down, I don't make any money, right? Well, yeah, but if you look at everything you own, everything else lost money. Right. Wouldn't you rather have something that didn't lose anything ever? 
Oh, yeah, that would be. Uh, I would like that one on my, because my bonds went down, my stocks went down, my private non-traded REIT went up, and my fixed index annuity was flat that year. Flat is good when the markets are, are, are going down. We want flat, and then we lock that in, and then the next year, hopefully, you're, you're up again. But you want all the different pieces in your portfolio, typically. I mean, I, I love portfolios where I see they have the equity mix and the fixed index annuities for accumulation and lifetime cash flow. They've got the real estate investments, whether they're active or passive, the Delaware Statutory Trust, those kinds of things. That When they have that mix of assets, they're, they're probably in for a pretty good retirement. When we talk about the fixed index annuity, I was alluding to the fact that there are various indexes that you can follow. Do you get to pick those indexes that you follow and what are some of the indexes that you could pick or is the index locked in by the annuity? What I mean is, do you have choices? Yeah, you have choices. And in, in addition, you can change them generally every year. And you can even mix and match. So you might say, you know, I want it to be uh, in the S&P. You might have one with a, a cap, a ceiling. And so if the S&P exceeds the ceiling, you only get to the ceiling amount. Mm-hmm. If it goes down, you get a zero because the floor is zero. So that can be really good in a, in a market where uh, the S&P goes up consistently, or even if it doesn't, that, that can be a good choice. The other way is to do what's called a participation rate, where you get a percentage of the S&P. So if the S&P does, say, 10%, you want one with a cap. Mm-hmm. If it does 30%, you want one with a participation rate because you get a percentage of the 30. Whereas with the cap, it's the same whether the market did 30 or 10. You get the same amount, whatever your cap is. We mix and match. Generally, uh, there's all kinds of indexes. There must be 50 different indexes out there, not all offered by individual companies. Let's say you buy an annuity. They might give you five choices, and you can mix and match those. That's our responsibility to do for our clients. Our clients don't have to figure that out. We have a, a, an annuity committee, and they get together and figure out what the allocation should be uh, annually for our clients. And once again, that is the value of using a financial advisor such as yourself, Brian, not only because you can figure these fixed index annuities out, I think a little bit better, but also, you know, the average person can't just buy this sort of thing. You've got to be an insurance licensed person in order to sell a fixed index annuity. And another thing to point out, too, is that you don't get 100% of the index. As you said, there is a cap on that, too. You get a percentage of that. We're talking with Brian Evans of Drona Financial and CPAs about understanding alternative investments. If you're wondering how deep your financial roots are, well, you're not alone. Go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to see how deep your financial roots are. If they are deep enough, you could weather any financial storm coming your way. Once again, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to check your rooted wealth analysis. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about understanding alternative investments. So, Brian, let's uh, circle back to annuities again. As with real estate, there's no one panacea. And there are a lot of different types of annuities out there. There must be hundreds of different types of annuities. And it takes certainly a trained professional to separate the good ones from the bad ones. So, How can you tell if you have a good or a bad annuity? Yeah, it's really difficult for an unlicensed professional to do that because you don't have access to the information on all the different companies and all their annuities. Yes, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of annuity companies. There are literally hundreds of different annuities to pick from. Within those hundreds of annuities, they all have different riders and different attributes and so forth. So how are you going to know? You you can't. So you might be listening to this go, I have some annuities. I'm not sure if they're good or bad or indifferent. And and, you know, you're, you're just kind of flailing with that. And one of the things I, I would encourage you to do is if you have annuities and maybe had them for a while, have us take a look at them. We can do what's called a Section 1035 exchange of one annuity contract for another without any income tax implications. So if you're in one that's maybe past its surrender point and you're going, I don't think that they're giving me very good renewal rates on this. You're probably right. Most insurance companies, they entice you to get your money with them and they give you a, maybe a good rate. But then when they hit their surrender period, they 
renew them at a very low rate. And so they don't really tell you that. And so you will never know. So I, I just went through my list of ones that were coming due from seven years ago. And their renewal rate was about a quarter of what I could get them into a new annuity for without any tax implications using the 1035 exchange. If you have annuities, you're not sure, uh, give us a call. We'll, we'll look into that. Another thing you mentioned during break was you talked to other advisors about the bonus. I just wanted to mention Oh, yeah, again. 20% bonus. I'll get you that. And people think, well, I'm going to get 20% right up front. Yeah, does that make sense to anybody? It does not. <laughs> okay. So I'm not saying there isn't a bonus, a stated bonus, but that bonus is not dollars in your pocket like most insurance licensed people will tell you. Oh, no this is money. This is, no, it's not money. It's a 20% increase on what they're willing to pay you on the cash flow over your account balance. They've already factored that in. So it's kind of, it's not real money. It's a computational feature. It can become real money only though if you die prematurely. And I don't recommend that to my clients because it becomes a life insurance benefit often with, with these companies. So they'll give you, if you die prematurely, this is a big misconception. People are like, well, what if I take a year's worth of checks and then I get hit by the bus? The insurance company is just going to take all my money. I don't want that. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. The insurance company does not take your money. They will give all your money to your heirs, if that's the case, plus any earnings minus what you've taken out. And in many cases, they'll give you even more than your account balance. And that would be where that bonus comes in. They'll give you that bonus amount. So it is way better than a pension. A pension, you get hit by the bus after taking 12 payments. That's it. Your heirs get nothing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the insurance annuity, it, it goes back to your heirs, the, the part that you haven't taken out, and uh, along with the bonus. And Brian, I've heard this 20% bonus, a 17% bonus, and I repeatedly hear advisors offering this insurance license advisors, not to say that all insurance license advisors are not up and up with people, but I mean, how can you possibly try to convince a person that's sitting in front of you that they're going to get this 20% bonus when it's not real money. I mean, how, how can you do that? Sometimes people hear what they want to hear. I, I have lost clients to people that are lying in my industry. They say, no, no, they assured me this is real money. I can put, I can spend that. Well, okay, well, why don't you go with them then? Uh, if you yeah. don't believe me, go with the person that's you know, I'm telling you what the truth is, and it's not getting me a sale because it's not as sexy as that guy, that other person that was saying that they have these extra special annuities I don't have access to, which is wrong. I got access to the same annuities that other insurance licensed professionals have. I got access to the same stock market that Merrill Lynch and Edward Jones have. It's the same market, same S&P 500, same annuities. You know, it's it's just how we, we put it together. We happen to have access to things that they don't deal with, you know, Delaware Session trust, premium finance, whatever, uh, many alternative investments, uh, income tax planning through a CPA firm. We have a lot of things they don't have. I will say that. But yeah, there's so much misinformation out there because there's money. Just follow the money. You're invited to a seminar. You go there. They tell you about their, their super secret special way to protect your risk and take it out. And they don't say the word annuity. Or if they do, they tell you about these bonuses and stuff, which aren't really real. They're designed to manipulate you. Ever been to a timeshare sales thing? <laughs> Some of them feel like that, I think. Yeah. But it's designed to manipulate your, your buy, to give them money, to buy the annuity they're trying to sell you. Frankly, they shouldn't be trying to sell anybody an annuity until they've done a financial plan and determine if it's appropriate or not. You know, when I give a seminar, uh, I'm sure not just saying, oh, everybody needs to buy an annuity. They're the best thing ever. They're the, uh, they are the panacea. They are not. They're a tool in the right circumstances. If I need to cut a board, I need a saw. I need the right tool. I don't need a hammer. So it's just a tool we use. And I wanted to bring up that bonus thing because I keep hearing that from people saying, well, your competition has way better products. No, they don't. Brian, I think of the lady that I sent to you who was a neighbor and she had an annuity that was not going to pay her off until she was, I think, at least in her mid 80s or something like that. How can you tell when you're sitting across from someone or is there any way to tell whether or not you're being sold the right or the wrong annuity? Is there a tip off? Are you a fiduciary, held to the fiduciary standard? They will say yes. So that won't do it. Can you invest me in the markets and can you invest me in passive real estate? If they say no, then they are a one-trick pony. And if you sell one thing to make a living, what do you think you're going to say? If I sell Kias yeah. and people come in on my lot, 
I better only think the Kia is the best car ever. I need to tell them everything awesome about a Kia, and I want them to buy a Kia. I do not want to talk about Mercedes when they come in that lot. But if I sell one thing, uh, that's what I'm going to push. I'm going to tell you how awesome it is. So if they can't sell anything else, then right there, that tells you whether they're a great person or not, honest or not, I will never know because they only sell one thing. We've been talking about how to tell whether or not you have a good or a bad annuity with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, let's switch back to something that a lot of people are interested in today, and that is real estate once again. And the fact that the real estate market has been rather volatile. I mean, we've seen price increases that were just not sustainable in values and so many people bidding for homes. And I think that, uh, I don't know if you can say the bubble is bursting, but certainly there's a correction in that market. Yeah, I mean, real estate, I'm glad we brought this up. So a lot of misconceptions about real estate right now. What I am seeing out there is that we're not having a bubble burst. We're not having a, a big drop in the market. The rate of increase has dropped dramatically. So it used to be, you know, prices were going up, you know, 5% a month or whatever in some places, I think. Now they've leveled off. So it's not that they're dropping necessarily. I imagine some areas are, but for the most part, they've just kind of leveled off. So that's one thing. Now, what's interesting about it, when it comes to investment real estate, you know, we talk about Delaware Statutory Trust, where somebody that owns investment real estate can sell their real estate and do a 1031 exchange into passive real estate, not have to be a landlord anymore. That sounds great. But a lot of people I've talked to over the last three years have said, I'm not ready to sell for one reason. That reason is that I think the market's going to keep going up. I don't want to sell too early. I'm doing great on my investments. I'm like, I can't argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. You're right. Why don't you keep it until you're ready? And so they're ready from different standpoints, though. They're they're tired of being a landlord. They don't like the fact that tenants don't move out when they they want them to. They don't like raising rents. Their buildings or houses are getting older, a lot of deferred maintenance. They, They want the freedom and not having to be a landlord. All these reasons are there, but the value kept going up, so they weren't ready to do a sale. Now, however, now that's leveled off, I think we're going to be inundated with people that own investment real estate that say, now's the time. Now's the time where I was ready before, except for that. Now I don't see it going up, 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 up. I want to get out. I want to sell my real estate, not pay any income tax, reinvest in other passive real estate that's diversified, get my monthly rent checks from that, and go on vacation, not worry about it. When we talk about real estate, most people think about residential real estate, Brian, and we know that those prices have gone up and up and up and up like that. But what about passive real estate? Let's say you get into or maybe you use a Delaware statutory trust and you're looking at some other types of passive real estate in uh, other markets. Other than residential real estate in other markets, are we seeing the price increases of other types of real estate? Yes. As I mentioned before, I've seen a lot of price increases in multifamily and self-storage particularly. I believe we will see a lot of price increases in industrial parks because industrial park demand correlates, highly correlates with internet sales. And internet sales are supposed to say double, I'll just throw that number out there, double in five years. The supply of industrial parks in the United States cannot double in five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't recreate the Kent Valley in the next five years and, and double that. So what's going to happen is you're going to have the demand double and the supply is not. And so when these rent renewals come, they're going to be jacked up, in my opinion. So that's another good area. So when people sell, say they sell rental houses and they do 1031 exchanges into DST, they're not buying other rental houses with that. I have not seen a rental house DST. They're buying multifamily, large, newer apartment complexes in the Sunbelt states, typically. They're buying industrial parks, maybe grocery store chains, net lease properties, Amazon warehouse distribution facilities, self-storage, student housing, manufactured home parks. Uh, There's all kinds of different asset types out there. They come and go because they're very popular. Very often, those DSTs get fully subscribed very quickly. So uh, using us, we're on top of that. We know what's coming up down the pike. We know what's going to be available. We can work with you to try and get you the best diversification. So let's say you sell a, ha- a rental house for five hundred grand. 
or a simple example, 600 grand, and you want to put 200,000 into a multifamily, 200 in self-storage, 200,000 into Amazon Warehouse. If they're available, we can do that. Now you have all three different investments going for you, whereas before you just had the one house. Yeah, and the key there is diversity. When you talk about Sunbelt states, I've seen many of these lists that show the rent increases in the country, and they'll have like 10 cities, but eight of these cities happen to be in Florida. I mean, Miami, almost 40% year-to-year increases in rent. Same thing with Orlando. It's not as much, but it's like 20%. And then you've got Tampa and so forth. Florida really, and the southeastern states, really, really hot rental markets. Yeah, they're, they've been really hot. A lot of the DSTs we've done have been in Florida and Texas because they're tax-free states too, which is great. There's no state income tax on the DST income. I've seen a bunch in Georgia and North Carolina, uh, that area for multifamily. The uh, net lease properties and self-storage, they can be anywhere. People need to store their stuff. if They are the garage for apartment dwellers. And so self-storage has been a really great area to invest in too. All the mobile home parks, uh, the manufacturing housing parks where they own the lots, uh, they tend to be in the Florida area too. So yeah, a lot of that, I, I don't see a lot of new uh, DSTs in Indiana or no. or, uh, <laughs> or New York or you know these places where people are moving from or where you don't see the economic development you're seeing in a place like Florida. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program, of course, is Growing Your Wealth. Thanks for joining us again this week. Do these questions sound familiar to you? I'm not sure when or how I can retire comfortably. I'm stuck because I don't want to pay the big tax bill. The market negatively affects my mood. I don't know the right questions to ask. Well, if you have asked yourselves these questions, then I think it's wise for you to go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to get your rooted wealth plan. It's a plan designed so that you can enjoy the quality of life that you want to live and leave the legacy that you want to leave. There are seven areas that sustain wealth, and it's going to be all part of this rooted wealth analysis. If you're wondering how deep your financial roots are, once again, go to Madrona Financial, click on the Get Started button, and take your rooted wealth analysis. It'll only take about 30 seconds or so. MadronaFinancial.com. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about less risky investments. And Brian, I would imagine that a less risky investment, if you can call it that, is cash. Now, I've heard this saying that cash is trash. Why are people saying that cash is trash these days? I have no idea. I just talked to one of my clients. out. She wanted to give me uh, close to a million dollars to invest. But then I was talking to her and she mentioned how she might want to sell her house and buy on the waterfront. And she might want to help her daughter buy a new house. And so I promptly talked her out of investing that money with me because until we get that figured out, don't risk it. You may need it in the near future. I could, I said, I can just see, I'll invest this money. I'll put some in an annuity and the next week you'll find your dream house. And I'm going to say, yeah, you got to wait five years. I don't want to be that person. So no, every investment has pros and cons. Cash has huge pros. It is first on my list. I got 18 different asset categories in front of me on a sheet here. Mm-hmm. And it is number one when it comes to security. You don't lose money with cash. That's a great place to have for security and is number one in liquidity. It's last on growth. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't going to grow, but it's number one in liquidity and number one security. So if that's what you need, and that's what this client needed, then it is anything but trash. However, I will say there's another saying about uh, having lazy money or just a, a comment about lazy money. Lazy Fine. money is cash that you don't need for anything in particular. You don't think you need it for rainy day. You, it's just sitting there because of apathy. You haven't figured out or you just don't know where to put it. That's safe. I would much rather see that in a accumulation fixed index annuity if you don't need the liquidity. And so you can earn you know, good returns without taking any risk as opposed to earning no returns without taking any risk. We're talking about less risky investments with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Next on the list, Brian, along with cash, same column, money markets. Yeah, money markets. And then after that, I'd, I'd put CDs. These are all safe. 
fixed annuities. Uh, fixed annuity CDs are, are issued by banks and pay a certain amount. Fixed annuities are issued by insurance companies, and they tell you just like a CD how much you're going to get. Generally higher than a CD. Generally a slightly longer time period that you hold it. After that, we've got accumulation fixed index annuities, the ones we talked about earlier on the show that have a floor of zero and a ceiling or a participation rate or some other index. And they're uh, very safe too. You know, they're designed not to lose money. They typically don't have any fees associated with them. And so they're really good with that. I put them fourth instead of first because they do have typically a longer holding period, maybe five years or seven years or even 10 years. Next, I put the, the lifetime cash flow annuities and fixed index universal life. These all have floors, and that's what makes them uh, safe. And premium finance fixed index universal life is on that list too. So all of the, the seven categories I've just mentioned, they all have something built into them where they can't drop in value. So that's the security aspect of things. But as you said, that's the order of security. What about cash flow, though? I mean, really, that's a whole different uh, column completely. Yeah. In fact, in future shows, Shows, we're going to talk about these 18 areas, how they do uh, for growth, how they do for cash flow, liquidity, tax savings. Today it's security. So I just went through the list of, of seven that have floors to protect you. Now the next group does not have floors. They have, uh, we'll, we'll call them, uh, they'll take some of the sting out, but they won't take all of the sting out if we have a bad market. So the next on the list, I have buffered ETFs. So buffered ETFs provide some protection on the downside, but not all the protection, but some. Then I have structured notes. Same kind of concept. If the markets do well in a period of time that you own them, then you get a good chunk of the increase in the market. If they do poorly, the structured note should absorb some of that loss. And so it's it's kind of a hybrid. Next on the list is other alternative investments, and, and we'll put bonds in there now. Bonds are not secure. People have always thought, oh, I have bonds for my security and I have stocks to offset them. That's what my strip mall advisor said. We have 60-40 stocks bonds because the bonds are, are safe and the, and the equities go up in value. Well, that hasn't been the case in 2022. Bonds have been losing money because interest rates are going up. When interest rates go up, bonds lose money. So I will not call them secure. But they're more secure than some of the other things on the list. So next we have interval funds and we would have private non-traded debt REITs, private non-traded equity REITs. Those are kind of in the real estate uh, lending or equity markets. And they've been, you know, historically pretty good as far as not being as volatile as a market. But they're in real estate. They're still not secure. We're not going to give them secure. You can lose money in real estate. You can lose money in a secured debt portfolio, even though you have lots of security. It can happen. So I had to put them down the list a little bit. After that, Delaware Statutory Trust. Again, it's not secure because you can lose money in real estate. We've had a great real estate uh, run for a long time. Next on the list, I only have a few left. Exchange-traded funds and then mutual funds and finally individual stocks. So that's where we're getting into the equities markets. Those are the least secure of all the different categories I just mentioned. And the, the most least insecure thing on there was individual stocks. They can be all over the map. They can go way up. They can go to zero. Brian, when I get into retirement, I think I'm most interested in a combination of security and cash flow. Are there any of these investments or a few of these that really combine the best of security and cash flow? Yeah, uh, I, I think all of them, uh, honestly. Okay. I think you got to start with how much liquidity do I need? So that would be the security stuff. That would be your cash, frankly. you got to start with that, how much you need for the rainy day fund and, and so forth. And then you can start going into, okay, how much do I need for cash flow? Uh, I, I need to solve for that. So that might be your fixed index annuities for lifetime cash flow and your REITs and so forth. And so you can solve for that. Uh, you don't want to put too much in the REITs, you know, to overstate that in the portfolio. Solving for security with other fixed index annuities or universal life, having that as a class. And then finally, your last one's going to be your, your equities uh, investments. I'm not really using bonds right now, but equity investments. So that's going to be after you've satisfied your security needs, your liquidity needs, your cash flow needs. Then you can think about growth. If you've got enough money and you're you know, retiring, growth usually is last on the list behind security, cash flow, and liquidity. 
We're talking about less risky investments besides income annuities and bonds with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, when you get into retirement, most people are very risk averse. Is there a certain amount of risk that you should go ahead and take in retirement? Because I've always thought that without risk, there's no growth. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, that's why I said everything. Even if you say I'm a very conservative investor and I'm worried about the markets, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be in them. We just want to make sure that when you're in the markets, it's a percentage that you're comfortable with in an up or down market, and you're not drawing on that to live on. Because if you're drawing on to live on, it's a down market. That's a bad thing. Sequence of return risks uh, is going to nail you. But if you can leave it alone and you believe markets will go up over time, then yeah, we should allocate something to it. It could be 20%. It could be 50%. It could be, you know, whatever it is, depending on you, I believe there should be some allocation to that because equities, you know, they're, they're really high on the list for potential growth and they're liquid. And so they have good attributes too, but they're not secure and they're not designed for cash flow. Talking about the market, Brian, last week we talked about the uh, 52-year low as far as the markets go. We have not had a market that's dropped this much in 52 years. Is the market still, considering the current environment, a place to put money? The market can, depending on you know your risk tolerance and your time frame. So long-term, markets do well. As, as I've said on this show, I remember working in Bellevue as a CPA when the Dow was 2,000. Now it's 30-something thousand. Market would have been a good place. Warren Buffett, same thing. Markets are a good place long term. They are not necessarily a good place short term. They're not necessarily a good place if you're pulling money out of the market on a periodic basis. They have their objective, and that's growth, long-term growth. That's what markets should be for for most of my clients. And so as long as we understand the objective and how to use that in their lifestyle plan and get their income from other sources, the Social Security, pensions, REITs, uh, fixed index annuities, of course, then we, we've done our job to do the right balance of that so that when markets are good, and more often than not, they are good, then we have the growth part there. But when they're bad, we're protected with some of the other investments. Brian, we've had a bear market here for a little while. We've had bear markets in the past. I'm going to ask you the question. I think I know the answer to this, but it's the question that's on everybody's minds these days. Brian, when is the market going to bounce back? Uh, let's see. That would be on Tuesday. <laughs> I just won't say which week and which year. <laughs> no, I don't you know. You must have a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know. And and so the, the question I ask people, because they're concerned about you know market drops and should I be in the market or, or whatever, uh, the question I ask is, in the future, whether two years, five years, ten years, do you think the market will be higher than it is today or lower? They always say higher. Well, not always. Once in a while, they say lower. I said, well, then we're getting you out of the market. <laughs> we're going to get some fixed index annuities and call it good. You'll, you'll be happy as a clam. But most of the time, people say higher. Well, if that's the case, do you want to make money or not make money? Well, of course I want to make money. So, okay, we just need to pick the appropriate amount to have in the market because you believe it's going to be higher. I believe it's going to be higher. I don't know when. And again, one of the things we had, higher compared to what? Everybody's comparing it to where it was at the beginning of this year when it hit an all-time high. Well, it was an all-time high. So we're giving back some of the gains we got the second half of last year, we gave them back the first half of this year. It's not like people have lost, you know, necessarily lost money over a longer period of time. They just felt pretty good because their statement once said it was a lot higher and now it isn't quite as high. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs about the market and alternative investments. That's been the theme of this week's show. If you've joined us midstream or just joined us, you'd like to hear the entire show. Once again, reminder, we are a podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcast, search for Brian Evans Growing Your Wealth. You'll find well more than 100 episodes right there. There is bound to be one or two or four that are of interest to you. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thank you for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.